Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Matt Coombs Show. Good to have you with us once again, gang, on Monday. It's Monday morning. I am Mike is in the house and we got a ton to get into. Oh my goodness me, what a night of football we had. Well, hey, I say night, it started in the afternoon in Frankfurt, of course. We'll talk about that. The Josh Dobbs effect is real. What a brilliant story there. Saluting Antonio Pierce and the Raiders, the Ravens steamrolling. What a win for them. What a win for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Where do we start? I don't know. We'll try and work that out. Either way, sit back, relax, and enjoy the next hour in the company of me and the brilliant Iron Mike. Iron Mike, great to see you, man. Another terrific, thrilling NFL Sunday in the books. I don't know where to start today. This was the best. I think this was the best one of the season so Agreed. far. I mean, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. Partly... Partly you had, you know, everybody knew what like the four big games were and they were mm-hmm. all, you know, they were all the, the TV games. New York, and, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turned out. Yeah. That's and, yeah. and um, yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> that was kind of like the Antonio Pierce bowl. Um, yeah. And, but uh, yeah, it, it, that game was so weird because it just looked like, um, and you knew it. I mean, I, I had yeah. Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. And we were all on Vegas, yeah. yeah. Vegas, um, so the obvious new new interim coach bounce and the fact it's Antonio Pierce just cases it in platinum. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That is a yeah. lot. But but boy, was that a team playing like someone had lifted about eight tons of <laughs> yeah. eight tons of crap off their off their uh, shoulder their shoulders. Max Crosby um, just personified then, that, didn't he? Yeah, but then you know, who who could have guessed that you mm. know Houston Tampa would turn into you know one of the really great Great games wild, uh, of the season. Well, wow, but Baker's Minnesota, involved. It's going to be wild. Many of yeah, them, yeah. The Dobbs effect. Yeah, and um, you know, and uh, the 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 two kind of games that everybody figured, okay, Baltimore and Cleveland at home, they're both going to win, but the spreads are kind of big. Uh, I think it was like um, what was the, what was the Cleveland had like seven and a half. Or, Cleveland were double digits by the when Deshaun got announced at the start of that. Went it started, yeah, okay, and, but they still they still routed. <laughs> They yeah, still they routed did. Arizona and, and strangely enough, Seattle. I thought Baltimore's win over Seattle was one of the, it was probably the most defining performance of the weekend. You know, yeah. it, it, I think it elevates Baltimore up up in, in uh, the power rankings. Well, speaking of elevation, that game elevates me up to the higher echelons, the Iron Mike higher echelons of picking because you'll recall that one of our Mike's locks of the week was the under in the Miami-Denver game. Well, my Drew lock of the week over on Edge Rush was uh, Seattle with the points. <laughs> so I'm, <laughs> one of I'm my, right uh, well, I do, you know, as you know, I do another gambling podcast, a betting yeah, we podcast. Talk about that we don't talk about it, but one of my, that one of my, um, one of my co- co-hosts on that one um, picked the same thing as you did. <laughs> Tell him he's a smart man. It's more bounce yeah. back. 
We're about you know, to actually, if you took if you took the visitor, if you took Arizona and Seattle with the points, mm-hmm. you only you only wound up and I because the other guy in the thing took Arizona with the points. No, he did. <laughs> so the total score, you if you got at at that day when we did it, you would have got thirteen points. So that would have left you down sixty four to sixty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the two games combined. Propo is the jammiest. He he's his Drew Lock landed, which was the under in the Raiders Giants game. Which <laughs> dead and buried uh, into the third quarter. He just he just made he just it. Made yeah. it. He just yeah. made it. He's a jammy jamster. He's also yeah. been shouting out about how he's uh, how he came second. His team came second in the uh, NC Show Listener League and DraftKings. Uh, and this is the thing. Yes, you know we play uh, the Listener League. We enter teams. Ben and I didn't do quite so well. Uh, any money we make, we give to shelter our, our show charity of choice. Right? Propose second time he's been in the cash. He's not coughing up right now, Mike. So I might need Iron Mike, Iron Mike to do Iron Mike things to prop out the Thanksgiving special. Yeah, maybe Propo can buy some tents, you know, and then get and then get arrested. Um, the um, yeah, because mine, mine, I was really worried because I had the under in Indy Carolina. Oh, okay. And that was looking really sweet until Kenny Moore decided to get involved. Kenny Moore, two two pick sixes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of a sudden that became a very that became a, a very sketchy thing. So you're not supposed to provide the offense. <laughs> <laughs> so many great storylines. The Amari Cooper jammiest touchdown in history. That's one of my <laughs> that's one of my favorites. The off the helmet. The, the way Deshaun Watson threw that as well was it was almost like. He was aiming for it. He was aiming for it. Exactly. Well, it's the second week. I mean, is it the second week in a row, or was it the the there was the off the helmet one? um, That's right. Deflected, deflected line of scrimmage off. uh, What's his name's helmet? Um, Back to back weeks. Yeah, you got to love that. I mean, and that one was big because it looked like he was heading the ball to the linebackers. (laughs) Decent, decent gloves. He's in. All right, let's start with the contenders then, because there's so much to run into, uh, get into. We'll talk Dallas Philly first because i, I want to get your take on on these cowboys because yeah. on the surface this looks like another blown opportunity in a in a clutch situation against a heavyweight opponent and there's a history of that close but no cigar over the last god couple of decades right with dallas well, quite a while, yeah. yeah will they take god i mean going back to romo and the botch snap and the playoffs and you know that and certainly yeah pretty much two, 20 years are they going to take a lot of positives from the game, given, you know, if Shoemaker and, and Dax two-point uh, on a different day, both of those go in and they, and they beat the Eagles, or are they going to be looking at this thinking, here we go again? Yeah, I thought Wayne Barnes was refereeing that game. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, um, that was my thought. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I thought, okay, Dallas should have won that game. Sure, and they yeah. know they, they, they should have won it. And, now, if they're a good team, and and there was an interesting stat that went up during that game. You know, the Cowboys have been either won in blown outs in blowouts or been blown out in most of, in most of their games. They you know they have the biggest margin that, that way. Yeah. Um, but if they can take away, I thought I wasn't, I didn't think Mike McCarthy totally blew it handling the clock, but I took the point that they should have been moving more quickly. I can understand that you don't necessarily want to because you don't want to hand the Eagles the ball back with a small lead and say a minute and a half or two minutes left on the clock. So I can understand why he he might have been thinking to run it down and and had the plays you talked about worked, that strategy would have been good. Yeah. But you know how that- much of that might just just on that, because it's a really interesting point you make. And this is something that has plagued 
I mean, McCarthy specifically with the Cowboys, obviously, in, in recent years. How much of that um, to the frustrated Cowboys fans, they think it's sluggish, they feel that it's it's far too considered and the clock is running down because they're taking time and being patient, dialing up the right play call. How much of it is consciously saying we're winding the clock down and we know exactly what we're going to do, but we're going to swallow up the time. I, I, I think, I think that was more likely. Um, I think McCarthy was thinking in terms of a four minute drill and wanting to, wanting to run that clock as, as much as he could and get mm. down. Now, I mean, it was such a crazy um, three, you know, you, you had the, you had AJ Brown, Coming over, you know, on and he was it was basically turning into a wham block on Micah Parsons, except that he collides with Swift and Swift fumbles and they recover the fumble, so they punt it away. And then you get so they look at like the Eagles are in good position, and then you get the the pass interference call um on Bradbury, which was perfectly legitimate. I mean, and, and you know, and that's a weakness for the Eagles is Bradbury in man in man coverage on the outside. That's why, you know, we saw that in the Super Bowl. It was a penalty on Bradbury that, you know, was the turning point of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, Reddick then got the roughing call. Then the Eagles went offside. You thought this game's over. You know, yeah. the, the Cowboys are going to roll in. And, and then from that point, you know, Dallas went offside. You know, you, it's like there's 26 seconds left. You're first and goal at the six. Yeah. You're, you're, you're down by, by um, four, by five. So you need the touchdown, but God, You've got enough time to score a touchdown with the, with those weapons, and they go well. They they, they go offside, um, offside. Then he gets sacked. Sack, yeah. Then he throws he throws incomplete. Then there's a delay a game penalty, mm-hmm. and so now they're now they're what they're back twenty five yards from the from the end zone, and they come up. It was it looked like the Super Bowl if you remember Mike Jones um, making the tackle on Kevin Dyson in the Super Bowl for for the Rams against Tennessee when when Vermeil won the Super mm-hmm. Bowl with the Rams. It was like that that play, you know. He, he got the ball. Um, Lamb got the ball just short of the end oh, zone. Oh, it fell just short. Yes, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and he, that Super Bowl play now. And yeah, he, yeah. he needed to make a you know. It's like you're not going to throw the ball into the end zone, probably, because everybody's back there. So you throw it just a little bit short, and Lamb has to make a play, and, and the cow, the uh, Eagles were all over him. I thought it won't get that much notice, apart from one stupid penalty by, by on Bayard. But Bayard and Zach Cunningham had the middle of that field sewed up for a large part of the game. Mm. Um, and, and Zach was like, a, no one really noticed when they signed him as a free agent, but he's a really good inside linebacker. He's on the downside of the career, but a lot of, a lot of the Eagles guys are like that. How he picks them up, you know, and gets, gets a good year or two out of them. And Bayard obviously was the big trade and, and the good one. So, you know, I, I thought the Eagles, they won, they're at home. Um, they did what they they should do. They hit, they hung in there. Dallas, if for me, we made some mistakes, but we should have won that game, guys. Yeah, and we so can they, win. They'll take yeah, because that you know this whole prolonged situation where, like I said at the top, close but no cigar. They go into almost every season because it's the Cowboys with a lot of hype and a lot of focus, and they fall short. How much of that do you think? genuinely plays on the minds of the players, particularly after a defeat like that. Do you think that's the kind of thing, even if they don't necessarily vocalize it, that it's up there in I, their head? I, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think I used to say, I used to have, I used to have the most terrible arguments with Jason and, and, and to a lesser extent, O.C., 
when I said momentum is the result of plays, plays aren't the result of momentum. And I, I, I didn't mean it completely that way, but, you know, I used an example of my last game in college and we're down and, and we put together a good drive and we're, we're touchdown down. Our defense stops them and we're on the way now and we get one play stuffed and then our team captain goes offside right next to me. Mm. So now instead of like running the ball twice, which is what we needed to do, we have to throw the ball. And that was always going to be a mistake. But we we complete a pass. Now it's third and maybe four. We need to run the ball again. And then <laughs> our captain's best buddy, who's the, the flanker outside, on the other side goes offside. <laughs> and I said, you know, we had the momentum. But what good did it do us? Because guys made mistakes. The plays make your momentum. And I, and especially when you're on the offensive line, you feel that momentum, you know, and defensive OC said, you know, well, you know, you get a sack and everybody gets up and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. hype. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. And that's fine. But I I I think players energy who, feed off. Yeah, yeah. Unless and play unless players think that they're being held back or undermined. Mm. by something generally the coaching but it could be other you know could be other players who make mistakes constantly or something like that i i think that players can see what what a game is about and, you know and and you know they're going to get another shot there is here's why you played philly twice and you're, you're probably going to get another shot mm. with them in the playoffs if you're if you're any good and the thing dallas takes away from this game is their defense played really well mm. um and the other thing that i take away from the game it was a super Blandino, there were oh, 20, was it? Was it? 20 penalties for 181 yards. And that's the accepted ones. The Eagles got a couple of penalties, you know, big penalties on Dallas on plays where they scored, you know, or got the big first down. There were a couple of those, you know, and it was almost like the guy said, oh, we can give them one now, you know. Time to pay it back. we got to get we got to get the Iron Mike uh, Blandino rules posted on socials. Everyone's clear what constitutes a super Blandino. Well, speaking of great defense, let's move to the Frankfurt game and, and Kansas City in particular, because we're so used, of course, to talking about the Chiefs offense with Reed and Mahomes. But increasingly, as we see this iteration uh, of Kansas City, it's the, the Chiefs D that's getting it done. They were absolutely, absolutely, them. and and uh, you know I, I did my usual rant about Xavier Howard in in the first half. You know where I mean I don't know what you they Miami hug. It must be the friendliest team in football because they hug guys. <laughs> um, Teron Armstead was hugging pass rushers. Howard was hugging guy and no flags fly, you know, mm. and it's like, and, and the announcer, whoever he was, was saying, well, that was great coverage. I'm saying, of course, it's great coverage. Well, it was you Eisen and um, Dan Olofsky, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, Olofsky. Yeah, it's great coverage. Yeah, and, you know, it is if you've got your arms around the guy's hands, he's not, arms, he's not going to be able to catch the ball, obviously. Mm. But anyway, but, you know, it was it was your your basic game of two halves. And, and Miami's defense played really well. You know, this was Fangio kind of at his situational best. Um, and Chubb, you know, he, he he got a couple of big plays from Chubb in the second half, which they needed. Um, and really, the the fulcrum of this game was was the um, the Hill fumble, yeah, with the lateral for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, because that's you know, otherwise, uh, take that play away, and it's fourteen fourteen. Or actually, it it might be different because Miami was in position to be able to kick a field goal at the end of the half, so it was a you know, that was a ten point. Uh, swing. I mean, it was obviously and, really painful for, for me to watch as a Miami fan. But what? A well, that made me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what? A, what an incredible play to watch! And you know, when you see plays like that, you think, 
why don't, why don't we see more of it? Why don't we yeah, see? I, and I, I commented immediately because somebody put up rugby and, and I've said, I, I'm waiting for somebody to say, you know, another rugby scrum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, but he looked like a fly half, you know, yeah, looking, yeah, yeah. looking for someone to offload, offload to. And it, <laughs> it reads move. You know, when he got the lateral, mm. he takes a step inside and then breaks outside around around Hill and and um Edwards and and um what's it, McDuffie, mm-hmm. you know, who are kind of like there's a little pile up there. And instead of going inside, which is where he was, he goes outside down the, and that was that showed me a lot. I mean it's a lot of vision um to him. But you and you know it's again I don't want to say it wasn't that there were only 17 penalties in this one, not 20. Um, but you know, you're not going to go through how many flags at every game. No, the, the um, but the one on Chris Jones, you know, where he gets pulled out of the pile on one of those sneaks. Mm. Um, and he doesn't like that. And then he goes up and he just kind of pushes the the guy who pulled him yeah, um, and he gets a 15 yarder for that. Unnecessary. And yeah. There were some other plays kind of like that in the game and referees did what they should do. It's just, you know, get out of there, forget it. Yeah. You know, yeah. No one was hurt. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it, it was a cheap shot or anything. It was, you know, it, it's basically an extension of drawing and I know, yeah, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to do that, but it wasn't, you know, it, it just was such a soft penalty at, at such a, a key time. I mean, you see that. I mean, look at any in any sport, right? That that pragmatism and discretion that yeah. officials can apply, right? And it, yeah. so it's maddening when they don't. When it's but just there like, is no there, hate that as well. Well, Madden has nothing to do with it, but um, <laughs> but you know, um, but but consistency is is what you want, and and obviously the biggest flaw in NFL refereeing is that there's no consistency. And the second biggest flaw is they've got all these guys on the networks who can rationalize almost anything <laughs> in ways that are not From the consistent. Fox Command Center. Yeah, uh, let's. But, um, but otherwise, the game the yeah. game was really tight. I mean, you know, it, the time of possession was like one minute difference mm. between the two teams, and Miami had more. Miami had slightly more yardage. You know, it was. It was a really close game, and you're absolutely right. The, the the Kansas City defense stepped up when they had to Spags, who they made a big deal about. You know, he was the defensive coordinator in in um, Frankfurt for the Galaxy oh, un, under Ernie Stoughton. He also coached a year in Barcelona in the first iteration of the World League. Um, so I liked that. You know, and you remember me and Spags being really tight from that first game in 2007. Yeah, that's 2007. Yeah, I mean, Spags, um, yeah, 20 years of coordinator in the NFL. Let's. It, it's, um... a, it's amazing, and the other thing is, everyone in America was talking. About how great the international fans are in Germany. Oh, let's get into this. So they, I was on, they've, been, I was, they've been they've been going to London since yeah. 2007, and no one's ever said. So that. I want to uh, let's go on this this tangent a little bit. So I was on air last night after uh, the game had been broadcast from Frankfurt. Right then we came yeah. back to the studio in London, and when I was heading over to the studio, so I watched most of the game on TV, and then headed over, driving over to the studio to listen to the last hour and change on the radio and the boys were, were talking of course about the atmosphere everybody talks about the great atmosphere sure and as you point out really literate fan base yeah established fan base for sure but this tendency now and i'm going to sound like a proper killjoy but i really feel strongly about this the switch from i think eisen referenced it and i'm pretty sure he was tongue-in-cheek when he was saying it without being explicit oh there's a wave going around at the end of the first quarter the start of the second quarter the mexican wave going around by the time nothing, they were nothing mexican about it 
uh, by the time they were getting to the um, the key phase of the in the fourth quarter, a really crucial part of the game, the Finns have got back into it. Dancing Queen's playing and it's cutting to fans. At what point is it getting over the top? The Sweet Caroline. Oh, that, yeah, no, I, I agree completely with that. And, you know, I, what I was talking about was the was was the people who were saying how intelligent the fans were and how you know how much mouse they had about the game As though itself. It was a kind of a surprise. Though, to them. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, and and I mean the fans in London are like that too. And I mean it, it's also it's funny because the more the NFL tries to appeal outward from the from the uh, what they would call the hardcore fan base, but what I would call football fans or people who discover they like the yeah. game. Yeah. Um, the more you bring in people who don't know that, you know, so, and the way they do it is by, is with all the entertainment, but that's, mm -hmm. it's kind of been a tradition in Frankfurt. That's where the power party originated, you know, yeah. It, yeah. Um, the, the kind of European tailgating um, effect. And, I, I do think it's it goes a bit over the top. I I hate the the idea that you have to have everybody entertained for the every thirty seconds between yeah. plays. You know, it, they've been doing it in basketball for years. You know, it, it, any timeout, any dead spot, you, they go out and they shoot jerseys into the stands. And yeah, stuff. whack something up on the screen. Yeah. The, I told you, I, I told you at, um, at Spurs, the guy, the guy in the row in front of me, the guy in the row in front of me got about six of them because they, they were the guys in those, those lazy boys, you know, with, with like yeah, a, three, yeah, yeah. a yeah. three row wide row. And they kept, they kept coming in. But, what they should have done was if the Sean and fired one off one of their heads and you could have caught it as a Mario. I caught one uh, yeah. next to some, <laughs> next to some reporter who actually tweeted about my good catch, you oh, know, because it was coming go. right for him. And I did a kind of <laughs> two sure. hands two still hands got, that way got, and uh, i gave it to some guy who works in the stadium um i'm getting frustrated with this i over this hype this um i guess risk that the nfl's moving on a little bit from the uk job done now the rest of the world germany's the darling germany's an amazing there are great atmospheres still in london and i think it's a little bit um, unfair that London feels obviously not forgotten. We're still going to get no. games, but it feels like they're moving on a little bit from it. Certainly, no, see, I've heard that the plan is three games in London next year. Yeah, Germany, and and then they're talking. talking excuse Spain. me, Spain or Brazil yeah. as um, another one. What um, would you prefer for a road trip? Brisbane, Brisbane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> nothing against Spain. I mean, I used to go to Barcelona all the time for football, and you know. Um, but uh, I, I was in Brazil doing the Olympics in 2016, and you know, it's pretty. It's a pretty awesome place in, in many ways. Um, but you know, I think w there's an extent to which the NFL is now in like stage five of the London. Uh, the Britain experience, which is the London experience, where they have a, a solid fan base that's expanded mm. to a really solid casual fan base as well. They get good media coverage. Uh, games in London are still an event. Uh, they they can sell them out pretty easily, uh, and, and you know, and regardless of the ticket prices and all, which is what I think the old old time fans complain about the most yeah, yeah. here. So that they it, they now they can expand elsewhere, and one and you know, and if they can do the same, which I, I have no doubt they can do in Germany, because Germany has such a good football American football base. Um, but if they can do the same, then that opens up other avenues for for the league somewhere down the road. All this talk about it, it's funny sitting on the outside, having been on the inside and sitting on the outside, watching them kind of hype up the Super Bowl overseas thing, which you know is not going to happen 
in my in a lifetime. Million years. In a million years. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe in your lifetime, but, <laughs> um, but uh, not in not in mine. I don't think. But but you know, you can you can watch how it happens every now and again, just to just to stir up stir up the fan base and yeah. keep them happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, just one more on the Frankfurt game because there's a ton of other stuff to get through. Where does this leave Miami then? Because I guess there are certain parallels people have been drawing between between the Cowboys and the Finns. They shellac average or mediocre teams. They struggle against the big guns. Yeah, I pointed that out when after the 70 to 20 game, you know, yeah. that you know, they they barely beaten the Chargers. They should have lost that game. Um and they had trouble with the Patriots, although they were in command of that game. Um and uh, but but the Patriots are awful and the Chargers are the Chargers, you know. Um so yeah, I I Miami, the good news was Buffalo lost. So Miami stays in, in first place in the division. And as I said, when Buffalo crushed Miami up there mm. in December in Miami, that's going to be a different game. Uh, and I, I, I think there's still Miami needs some help on the offensive line. The line was, I mean, they always had injury issues in this game. Yeah, well, they've, they've had injuries. Like, you know, for example, Toronto Armstead, he's a great lineman. Um, to my friend who, who online said, you know, while well, we were without our pro, our all pro tackle, he was second team all pro in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, but but he's another guy with a, his whole career has been injury riddled. That's like West Ham. That's like us West Ham fans calling ourselves European champions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and and when you pick up guys who are injury riddled, that you mm-hmm. can't blame your losses on the fact that they're out injured. You know, it, it's kind of like. Um, you're, t- you're taking or taking a risk, but I, I think they could. They probably need one or two players in the back, but they're pretty solid defensively when when Ramsey is when Ramsey is in yeah. there. You know now that now they've got a couple of corners who can who can really shut you down. So you know, and Buffalo on the other hand, I think is is kind of unsettled. Their losses have been more serious um, yeah. and for and for the season. And they haven't been able to settle their offense down. Yeah. I think since Dayball left, really, one way or the other, you know, they really still depend on Stefan Diggs to carry them. You know, Allen wants Diggs whenever he needs something, something bad. So it's either Allen scrambling or Diggs. And they just can't keep Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox and, you know, Kincaid had a big game, Bill, a lot of catches, but he also had a crucial fumble in, in mm. that game. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think it's an interesting one. And I think both of them are are currently sitting just below Kansas City. But not by much yeah. until until the Chiefs sort their offense out and Baltimore is kind of you know, on the outsides of that, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't take Baltimore in Miami right now. I don't think. And Cincinnati looks good. I mean, Cincinnati yeah. looks back to the, you know, to the team they were at the end of the last couple of seasons. Well, since week five, this is via NFL research. Burrow leads the NFL for no record completion percentage of 75.8, 10 touchdowns, pass rating of 111 Point two. So, I mean, definitely trending in, in the right direction and then some. And of course, Burrow, coming back to the MVP discussion, and something we, we've talked about in recent weeks, that maybe this could be the year, first time since Adrian Peterson is not a quarterback. At the moment, it looks like Lamar and Burrow are driving ahead 
mm-hmm. for the quarterbacks. And Burrow could be the inside rail pick there. I mean, he's looking looking on fire right now. Yeah, and they've got T. Higgins back, and T had a T had a big game. You know, they're that's dangerous with those those three receivers. And they they um what's his name? Tanner, Tanner Hudson, is it? Mm. You know, it's like, oh, they still have him. <laughs> Hasn't he been on like the practice squad for the last three years? Yeah, that's cool about this yeah true sample. Years, they right? got they got results from even Herb Smith. Hang on, hang on. Uh, to the yeah, no, finally I dropped Herb from my daily fantasy lineup because he's normally the there, cheapest there guy that I can afford. Yeah. It. Herb goes big, but, let's, but let's you know, Burrow's Burrow's healthy. Burrow's really healthy now. Yeah. He, he's he's moving, and and they need that because their offensive line is still not that great. Mm. Um, so they need his they need his mobility. But there's no question. Uh, you know that he's the highest paid quarterback in the league on an annual basis you know for yeah. for a reason um and what about the bengal's d mike because talking uh, particularly after this this win and the the bills were slow again out of the gates offensively there have been since london really that that offensive sluggishness that that seems to be seems to be plaguing them right now but let's not take that away from Luana Rumo seems to be weaving his magic once again. <laughs> he's sm- he's very he's very good and he and and very smart. Um and he control he can kind of controls things situationally without ever getting away from their basic kind of four four two, like a lot of teams use, like Buffalo uses, you know, um, like Kansas City has, has been using. Um and what what I like about him is that as the game changes, he changes. He seems to adjust on the fly better than most guys, where a lot of guys are great at adjusting at halftime. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys don't adjust at all. They just stick with, you know, with what they've got. He seems to adjust as they as they go along. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Hubbard, Hubbard and Hendrickson don't seem to scare anybody as pass rushers, but they should because they get utilized really well. And once he identifies you know where the weak the weak spot is, or where where they can get the rush. They're they're really good at, at doing it. And I thought that was you know they had that was a combination of defense and running game. Um, and by it doesn't look like they had a bunch of a running game, but between Burrow scrambling and that kind of short passing to to move the chain, they they had thirty six and a half minutes of possession to twenty three and a half. And that that's kind of that's kind of the key to the game. They forced two turnovers, and they didn't have any themselves. Um, and that that really w- was impressive to me. And now they did it at home, but they won on the road last week. You know, so I think Cincinnati has got to be up there in in this discussion. And mm. what are they? They're five and three. The bill the Bills are five and four. Baltimore six and two. Cleveland's five and three. Miami six and three. The Chiefs are seven and two. I Listen mean, to this number though from the Ravens. So again, via NFL research, this is they're three and oh this season against teams. If we're thinking of the Dallas, Miami, the book on them is up against strong teams, yeah. they, they might struggle. The Ravens three and oh against teams with a winning record. Uh so they 28-3 against Cleveland in week four, 38-6 they shall act Detroit, and then the smash Seattle week nine, 30. 37 yeah. three and they didn't trail in any of those games either yeah i mean that's they're, they're solid as well and, and mcdonald um is it's the opposite of wink martindale 
in approach, you know, where, where Wink is is crazy blitzing, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily lots of guys, but guys from weird places or weird angles and stuff like that. And he seems to be doing it more straightforwardly. And it's typical Ravens because they've got a bunch of guys on the defense that you never heard of mm-hmm. who they drafted and developed, mm-hmm. you know, and people have been talking all week and we might talk about it later, but about, you know, how Bill Belichick is now a fraud and all the ex Belichick people, you know, who are failures and stuff like that. And there's reasons for that, mm-hmm. um, which don't necessarily point to Bill as being a fraud. Yeah. And, and, but they don't, they don't look at the, you know, the Nick Saban, Pat Hill, Kirk friends. So they all went in college coaching, but they did. And, and most importantly, Ozzie Newsom mm-hmm. and Newsom built the Ravens team in the front office. And, and he does it the same kind of way in different, you know, specifics are a bit different, but, but the same thing based on, traits drafting traits and developing players and he's done a better job of it over the years than the patriots have yeah um helped by the fact that they don't draft as low in most years as the patriots do but well, let, let's know. get into this then because you, you're alluding to it mcdaniel's yeah. another belichick left-hander that's failed as a head coach why does it keep happening um i think that the problem is I, the guys I've talked to were last generation. I've talked about were, were last generation. Bill takes over at the Patriots and he lucks out into discovering that Tom Brady is actually a really smart, really good quarterback. And so he builds his teams one way or the other to take advantage of the fact that Brady is adaptable and can play at a top level in any style that he wants to play. So, you know, they're a running team. They're a Randy Moss downfield team. They're a dink and dunk pass team. You know, whatever situation it is, Brady can handle it. And that allows him to build a defense, which is never, a you know, a great defense in the sense of awesome, like, like the Ravens were in 2000 or the, the Bucks in 2002. But it's always good enough to let the to let them win, you know, and people think, oh, well, Peyton Manning never had great defenses. He didn't need great defenses. He just needed defenses that could hold the other team to 21, say. Mm. And if you look at the stats, when they got to the playoffs, their defense was still holding people to 21, but Manning's offense would go from like 31 or 32 a game down to 26 a game. So, you know, all one bad game and you're out. That's that's mm-hmm. the problem. But so who, who's been successful among the Patriots coaches? When they get away from New England, they're all basically brought up in Bill's system. And they absorb that. But Bill is still the, the heart of the system. He's still doing the planning offensively and defensively. And he's got these young, he brings along these young guys who are smart and who, who absorb what he's he's saying. But when they get out, they don't have Bill on the top. So they're, they're they don't have, so they don't have enough autonomy compared to, because we see other uh, very, I mean, obviously Belichick, given his stature and everything he's achieved has a huge amount of control at the Patriots, right? The front office as well. He's not the only one, right? You've got, you've got coaches like Andy Reid, for example, that are, so why is Belichick in particular? Is it? Well, Reid's, I mean, Reid's, Matt Nagy, I mean, Reid's, Reid's assistants haven't gone on to, you know, to great, to great things either. You Mm. know, to be fair, I mean, Doug Peterson, wasn't really in it. They come out of the Green Bay thing, but you know, mm. but Andy's own developed. But um, the question I guess I was going to ask is: Are they not giving enough? Is Belichick not giving enough autonomy then in that system? It, I don't. I think he. Yeah, I, it's the people. They people probably have a lot of autonomy, but Bill is the ultimate yes or no 
guy, you know, Nick Casario, Ziegler. And, and the problem is probably exacerbated when guys go with somebody from the front office and try to build build that Patriot way. Um, and, and as a front office, they, they've, they've been successful, but not in the normal way. Bill, they've plugged in players, you know, who they coach into the, the situations. Um, and they've made a lot of mistakes, you know, but Bill understands that you can throw a lot of things at the wall and may, and eventually one may stick. And the other thing is the culture of the team is, is Belichick. And when these guys go away, they try to imitate that. Mm. Um, and for most of them, it doesn't work. You know, it fails miserably for McDaniels. It fails miserably for Matt Patricia. On McDaniel. It's interesting. You know the Nate Jackson book, Slow Getting Up? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So Jackson yeah. was a tight end who played in Denver um, when McDaniels was head coach there, Tebow era, right? And yeah, McDaniel- well, he, he, he was in World League um, oh, NFL okay. Europe yeah. at the time. Uh, I don't think he I think he got hurt in mm. preseason, um, but I met him there. He, he was a wide, he was a big wide receiver. They were mm. trying to make into a tight end mm. from some little Menlo. Some little college in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But go so ahead. It, Great good, physical specimen. Yeah, good book. And and he uncompromising about McDaniels. And that, as I said, that first, his first head coaching gig, because of course uh, there was that uh, foray with the Colts that never came off. And he went to Denver and uh, and had some success, of course. He got into the playoffs and it was the T-Bar era. But anyway, the story, in relation to your point earlier about how the Raiders were playing, and we love Antonio Pierce on, the, on this show, friend of the show, Antonio Pierce, the uh clearly they they were all just relieved hyped up ready to roll yeah the story jackson tells is when he first met mcdaniels and his interaction with mcdaniels was damning in terms of his player management and his communication skills that that was now you could chalk that up to it was his first gig he was a very young head coach then learn a lot from that it's a decade on but it feels like the same issues because yeah. i thought it was surprisingly quick and i know all these rumors are flying around oh he's lost the locker room everything else but surprisingly quick to jettison him so soon into this project that that feels like there's something else at play here. And it feels like it's the performance, uh, the player management. Yeah. I I think that that's probably absolutely right. You can remember times I can remember um, what's his name, Jackson, Tom Jackson um, on ESPN saying how the, you know, Belichick, when they traded um, lawyer Malloy to had lost the locker room when, when they, when they lost the, you know, in the on to Cincinnati week, you know, oh, he's lost the locker room. Belichick can survive that because Belichick wins Wins. up until now, you know, they, they put together a team that wasn't daunted by that. Other guys cannot do that. They don't have that strength of character and they don't have an alternate way of approaching the players. You know, who's the most successful ex-Bill, ex-Pat coach is probably Bill O'Brien, mm-hmm. you know, who was okay, went to the playoffs with <laughs> Houston in a bad know. division. But, you know, how many, O'Brien let a couple of really good players go because it was a kind of my way or the highway sort of thing. And, and mm-hmm. the players didn't quite get what the my way was. And McDaniels didn't appear to have matured in the sense of changing his approach to player to player management and how you wanted to. I wrote about this last week in my column at great, great length. Mm. Um, this is not the Raiders of the 70s. This is the Al Davis in his dotage and Mark Davis in whatever you want to call it. In you know, eight, Since 2011, he's had eight head coaches. Um, this is not a team built for long-term stability, you know, to 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 a five-year plan or something like that. Now, whether Josh had a five-year plan is another question because they sort of seemed to be treading 
their water. And I feel sorry for David Carr in the sense that neither Gruden nor McDaniels. Derek Carr. You feel sorry for David Carr. Derek Carr. Yeah. He was sacked 8,000 times. Yeah. Um, Neither Gruden nor McDaniels seem to really want him as their quarterback. Mm. And Gruden never wants his quarterback. He always wants the next quarterback. Next guy. Um, But McDaniels, you know. Yeah. Jimmy G couldn't play McDaniels offense this year. And, and, you know, and, and, and he had experience with him. So I don't know the guy who I thought might be really successful was Brian, Brian Flores, you know, mm. in Miami. But of course he, he was honest about his owner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> since, it's, it's a great since his point. owner wasn't honest. Yeah. He's, he's the one who had to go. It's a great point. Flores could yet be the, the best of the bunch and he might actually get the Raiders gig. I mean, he's going to be in the, in, in the frame surely for a head coaching gig again. Let's move on to Derek Carr, seeing as you mentioned him and time is against us. I'm like, he who cares if he was written off by Gruden and co because the Saints sitting pretty at five and four. Now it was, it was obviously turnover central from Tyson Bajant, but I think we need to take the Saints playoff shots seriously, right? Look at that. They're running. They got the Vikings, oh, well, Falcons, Lions, Panthers, <laughs> Rams, Giants, Bucks, Falcons again. I yeah. think six of those they're in the playoffs. Yeah, and and you know Atlanta is not that good. Um, they lost. Um, Tampa lost uh, to Houston in in the game of the week, um, or one of the two games of the week. Um, and Carolina's hopeless. So you know they should win that division. Yeah. At, at this point, um, simply because their defense is fairly is fairly strong and offensively they've got weapons. Yeah. Um, Kamara's running running strong again. Kamara's running strongly again and and catching the ball. And Taysom Hill is, you know, arguably their MVP. I mean, you know, he he comes in and and does what they ask him to do uh, uh, on each on each play. So um, they only had one penalty for five yards in that game. As as you know, I've been keeping. What's the What's the opposite of a super Blandino then at that end of the spectrum? I don't know. I don't know. But but yeah, I mean, you can't even say let him, let him play, but uh, (laughs) yeah, Bajan just had a rough time with that defense. And, um, you know, the bear, the bears are the, but they was tied at halftime. It was Mm. going into the second half. Yeah. I mean, God, they should, they were like that. What? There were four turnovers, weren't there? So yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they gifted it to him, but nevertheless, they're, they're rolling at the moment. Let's go to the Passyunk Avenue mailbag for the first time. Incidentally, I'm Mike. We should point out that the, Waterloo Thanksgiving watch along with us sold out. Um, so that's going to be All a lot right. of fun. But can I still come? I've still got my still, accreditation. You, you've still got yeah. a spot. You're still good. You're still in the VIP, <laughs> the VIP area. We, uh, we've got some good news though. If you haven't, uh, haven't managed to get, uh, a, a ticket or get into, get a booking into the venue, we're giving away two tables. Now, Seb's pushed this out on our social media channels. Bring your, bring your own truck. Bring your, bring your own truck. Bring Antonio Pierce and you're in. If you uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, The NC Show, just search The Nat Coombe Show or The NC Show. You'll find us on YouTube. See the link in our show notes as well. And then just tag us, whatever social media platform uh, that you follow us on. Uh, tag us and show us that you're following us on YouTube. You'll go into a draw. Seb and the crew are going to pick two winners, two tables. We're going to give them away. Uh, on us for Thanksgiving. So go get involved with that. Go follow us on our brand new YouTube channel. And you can see, of course, the glorious visage of Iron Mike uh, in living technicolor. There you go. He's even dancing for you now. We'll make sure this clip, this clip. (laughs) Um, So pass the young mailbag. Gene, 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 the dancing machine. Let's just have 30 seconds of Iron Mike does. That's what TikTok, that's what you do on TikTok. Let's let's do the mailbag. (laughs) Yeah, let's do the mailbag. We haven't got a TikTok strategy yet. All right, this is from uh, UK Commanders fan. Can you guess which team he follows? Or she follows? 
insightful. Uh, what do you guys make of Washington? They trade away their two best defensive ends. Of course, Chase Young and Montez sweat out of the door this week, and then they beat the Patriots. Is that a similar kind of vibe to what happened with the Raiders? Do you think they would have fired? No, up no, I, I don't think so. I um, think so. I think the players. No, I mean this is another game. I'm, I'm not trying to diss the, the Commanders at all, but this is another game that the Patriots lost rather than the other team won. Yeah, um, they could not make a play. Uh, when, when they needed to, um, and but the again, Washington they, team was playing strong for a long. They played. Game. They they played well. Yeah, I mean they were down. They were down at the half, and they came yeah. out and played well. But they turned the ball over a lot. And the defensive ends um, and KJ Henry, who they drafted, is a rookie. Mm. Um, had one of the, another one of the worst penalty calls of the week um, when he was called for roughing the pass. Oh, that was that was ridiculous. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it just makes and, the makes the tackle. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough in the person. Yeah, because he fell on him, you know. But <laughs> I don't know what what he was supposed to do otherwise. Is that how they rationalized it? As that, that's they explained. That was what. That's what the referee explained after the game. It, it was his whole full weight, body weight on him, and he could have rolled off or something like that. And um, but you know, Casey Twohill's a guy who I liked when Philadelphia drafted him and they waived him and, and Washington picked him up and they didn't play him much for a couple of years, but he's got some pass rushing skill. Um, and the way their system works now, they don't need the number one draft picks so much on, on the edges. I mean, if they had one, if they had a Julius Peppers type, it would be a huge benefit. But the system, the way it's set up, is designed for a four-man rush, and they've got the in, interior rushers who can do that. Um, and it's Ron Rivera. And, you know, they drafted Henry. Um, they drafted, uh, what's his name, Smith-Williams. A couple of years ago in the la- in the seventh round, and they drafted Andre Jones in the seventh round, and they have Epe Obata, um, guys who you know they're they're not at the level of of Sweat um, or Young, but they don't have to be really, um, you know, at, especially with Washington at, at this at this stage uh, of their development. So you know, I I think it's good they picked up draft picks. Um, yeah. Chicago second and third they've got, haven't they? Yeah, um, no, um, yeah, high second because Chicago's going to be awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they, um, Chicago signed Sweat to a contract because if they didn't, the, the trade would have been <laughs> completely useless, you know, to, to give up that pick for nine games. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, uh, and then he'd go out on the free agent market anyway. And, and yeah, the Bears had a lot of cap room to be able to do that. So, you know, but he signed. He had a couple of good plays for the uh, for the Bears. Um, but remember, they gave they gave up a similar pick for Chase Claypool, who's now mm. in Miami and made the play his play of the season by recovering a fumble mm. um, uh, for for the Dolphins. Right after that bad call, um, who was the Patriots receiver? Uh, was Rager, I think, who saved an interception basically with defense offensive pass interference as a defender. You yeah, know, yeah, he, sure. he, wrapped, he, he he did the hug um, yeah. from behind in the play after that. Hunter Henry was just mauled by two guys and no pass interference was mm. called. So this was one of those games where you just thought, I don't know, I'm seeing a different, I'm seeing a different um um a different game to the to the yeah. officials let's talk more actually, mailbag more yeah, mailbag more, more mailbag i'm mike's enjoying give the, the guys a break uh joel uh, hey joel morning nat and i'm mike well good morning to you uh, where does cj stroud's season so far stack in the pantheon of rookie quarterback seasons oh it's the greatest season. of all time 
well, it's what well, okay. He's but, going in the Hall of Fame with Tua well, next week. They're going, well, they're going up to Canton for the yellow yes, jackets. Yes, Diane Mike, but of course he's got a record off the back of yesterday's performance in yep. terms of rookie. Oh, it was a great performance. Most I mean, passing yards in a single game. Yeah, I mean, um, and that's the least of it, you know. I mean, he Houston and I picked Houston in this game. I was very pleased with myself that they, you they managed to win because it didn't look like they were going to. They did um, despite every effort they managed to yeah. win. But I mean, what he did in the last, it, it, compared to Dallas, it was 46 seconds again when he took over, you know, and, and they completed a couple of passes. They used their timeouts. And I, and I thought, oh, my God, you know, now they've got no timeouts. And then he throws he throws the pass to Tank Dell. Um, Is he your favorite tank in the NFL, Tank Dell? Oh, yeah. There hasn't been a good tank in a long time. Who was, who was his name? He was a linebacker. Tank Williams? Um, it was Tank Williams. It was another guy. Tank. Anyway, um, doesn't doesn't matter. And <laughs> then he hit, and then, on the and then they've got like one shot at the end zone before they kick the field goal to tie. And he's got to get rid of the ball quickly, and he hits Tank again. Mm. But I mean, that the first pass was such a perfect pass, the one to the sidelines. Yeah, over the defender into his outstretched hands, perfectly laid out. I just saw that guy is so cool. This is it, man. You know, seeing as you're bigging yourself up for the for the Houston pick and another and the great catch you made at the London game and the various other things, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna follow suit. I called this, I think, week three, just watching tape of the first couple of games of all the rookies when Richardson was still starting as well. I just went and watched every snap he'd had. I think three games in, three weeks in. Those you can see them and go and find them on YouTube. People take time to so shout out to anybody who does this and cuts together clips, game film of every throw in a game. So incomplete passes too. It's important to kind of watch it all. And that was exactly what I read on it was mm -hmm. just the calm. Like you belong here. You're going to be fine. You're calm. You're just, there are certain quarterbacks yeah. that seem to just be set from day one in that respect. Yeah. I mean, Young is, was a tremendous college player. He's going to be a decent pro. I, yeah. I don't have yeah. much, much doubt about that. But I thought his adjustment would be strong, would be harder than Stroud's. And the book on Stroud, the problem with him was simply that he never played under center at Ohio State. It's a, it's a very structured offense, and they were wondering if he would be able to adjust. Well, you know, Houston's four and four at the moment. I mean, if they can continue that pace, D'Amico Ryan's probably ought to be coach of the year. Sure. Um, but part of that is down to Stroud's, you know, remarkable ability with with not a great offensive supporting cast to be, you know, his best receiver is Nico Collins, um, mm -hmm. and Tank Dell is coming along, you know, and and his. His uh, his maturity process has been slower um, mm. for as a receiver, and and receivers have a tough job in the NFL adjusting to the defenses and stuff. But if he come if he comes along, gives them that uh, a reasonable deep threat. Um, you know, I think Houston's future is looking looking very bright. Um, playoffs, sneaky playoff team. You never know. They could yeah, well, that in that division, you know, almost anything can it's happen. Possible, but, sure. As as sort of. It did happen. Um, but, but, I mean, Mike, we, you know what we're missing from this game? What? It's Ogunbowale's field goal. I mean, how do we, oh. not, how do we not talk about this? But, um, 45, 55 minutes into the show. I mean, what the, a kick. Even, yeah. A call I mean, to let him it, kick it. It was, well. it was kind of like a, yeah. And then they didn't let him kick an extra point after the, yeah, exactly. after the touchdown. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing was his kickoff. He kicked off into the end zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, right. And and I I was thinking they would just tell him, you know, can you do another one of those line drive kickoffs that's going to land in bounds so the clock starts going when the ball's touched, you know? <laughs> yeah. But but they didn't bother. I thought that was great. And it's it, it sparked a, a legitimate question of mine because they've got an Australian punter 
And on yes. lots of teams, the punter is generally the back. Exactly what I asked on the station, yeah. And and um, but maybe because he played Aussie rules, he's never kicked a ball yeah. on the ground, you know, and and they've never worked him out at it. Um, it was unusual because you'd, you'd figure as well. I mean, as we saw, every every Ross is going to have a backup for emergency. Who's probably getting a few reps, but you figure because kickers and punters trained separately from the rest yeah. of the team. Of course, you figure that they would. They would look to the punter first, but okay. If he goes down, if Kai Fairbairn goes down, you're up. So let's maybe yeah, get a couple some. Of so, somebody pointed out to me that Wisniewski did that for San Francisco last season, and, mm. and he's not an Australian punter, and he was useless um, ah, as okay. well. Maybe they he had, he had but yeah, it's surprising they don't take more kicks, um, given that they have all this time to practice and bouncing the ball and you know spinning it on their fingers and stuff like that, which the three guys do to get. <laughs> the punter and the kicker and the they long step. Yeah, uh, and that, that, that brings me back to my another one of my old guy rants, which is oh, the days the days when quarterbacks or wide receivers were always the holder, you know, and then if the snap was bad, you could always think you could yeah, get a sure. play out of it. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Well that was when Next, that was the that was the Romo, the Dallas playoff uh yeah, capitulation it, we talked about half an hour ago. Yeah. It's, it's also in North Dallas 40, um oh, which shot. which is worth worth taking a look at. Yeah, go check that out. Hey, um, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about Taylor Heineke. Andy Robson's got a touch. Hey, Andy, did Taylor Heineke do enough to keep the starting job for Atlanta? Interesting quarterback situation going on there, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Ritter is theoretically the quarterback of the future. Um, and not? Heineke Heineke is, is yeah, I come with you. Good Heineke is, is wildly inconsistent. Yeah, you know, yeah. when when he's on and he's hot, he can make plays. He moves around well, you know, with his feet. He also throws he has stretches where he throws wild balls, um, mm. you know, not not necessarily making bad decisions, but making bad throws. Mm. And, you know, it, it's kind of like he's. it's kind of like the kind of guy if you you want to put in as your, you know, as your replacement when you need some points in the four in the third quarter, fourth quarter, but you don't necessarily want him as your full-time starter because there's a, there's a kind of ceiling beyond which I doubt he's going to go. Now Ritter has been a turnover machine, you know, fumbling as much as anything else. Mm. And and they want him to run a bit, which makes fumbling a, a, a real, a real problem. But um, I think he's there. I think Heineke starts again. To be honest, I don't see I, how. They, I think Heineke gives him a better chance of the playoffs than Ritter this season. Yeah. Um, Do you think? I mean, you talk about Ritter for the future, but who, which quarterback? It, gives him it a could shot? be, but you know, but I, I, right now, I'm thinking Arthur Smith is is the guy who gives them the worst chance of getting in the playoffs because I don't know what he's doing mm. offensively half the time, and they finally they got Pitts involved. Mm. You know, they 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 were moving the ball, and I don't know what you know. I don't know if you can if, if you can. Um, if you can blame him for giving giving up giving up the last drive, to, I've just had sorry, Minnesota. I just had successive weeks of Ryan Tanner hot, hot take here because if Rid is not the answer really, and Heineke, okay. as he said, they can't maybe, get him now. Yeah, they not now, but maybe now. next season if Smith's still there, maybe he'll come back in for for his old quarterback. I kind of doubt it, but it, <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not outside the realm of possibility. I mean, I was impressed because the winning the so called winning drive for Atlanta. They ran the ball 11 straight times, mm. which I couldn't believe. You know, after about seven, I'm thinking he's going <laughs> to throw the ball away yeah. now. He's, no, he's going to throw the ball away now. Wanted, but they kept running. So that was great. Think as well, but then like they that. ran into Josh Jobs. You know? Oh, I'm glad he mentioned Josh Jobs because we've got to get yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, we, we got him. We got him. He should yeah. be player of the week. I mean, yeah, headline act. Well, here's, here's one, the question on Josh Jobs from Matt, who says, 
is Josh Dobbs now an offensive player of the year contender? And he's obviously being a little bit, little, he added oh, an emotion. A little, but, a little, mate. But, but <laughs> let's talk Josh Dobbs. It was, I mean, what you've got to have a heart of stone not to have not to have marveled at the performance and the, the reaction for his, from his teammates, just everything in that win was for him was brilliant because he is one of these players that the NFL is, is peppered with. And we've talked about it a lot. You mentioned with Heineke, the reason you make this point time and again, why a player isn't a starting quarterback is, is the lack of consistency. They can do it for a street, they can do it for a run, but they can't yeah. keep it together for, for long enough. It always fascinates has fascinated me the backup quarterback alpha players at high school into college into the nfl and then they're disregarded you know derogatory terms we, we we take the piss out of players like nate peterman and co but these are brilliant athletes and josh dobbs seemed firmly in that bracket right good athlete he's never going to make it as an nfl starter we scoffed when he got the arizona the worst team in football blah, blah. here he is now mike fairy tale win and the opportunity i guess to land himself a, a long-term starting gig. If he carries on playing like this, he'll get a gig somewhere, won't he? It's an interesting, it's an interesting question. Um, because his his career is is littered, you know, with opportunities that he wasn't given. Yeah. Um, and he was drafted, he's a smart kid. You know, he was drafted out of college and he wanted to be an astrophysicist. You know, he worked at not he interned at NASA at one point, you know, and, and some of the teams questioned whether he was committed to football, which he was. But, mm. you know, so he was a backup and he went, you know, he didn't get to play much. And he went to no, you know another place, didn't get to play much, went to another place and played reasonably well. The guy he reminds me of is, is I think I've got the name Joe Reed. Mm. who was a quarterback at Alabama Birmingham came into the league as a backup and wound up playing ride receiver and occasionally as as a backup. He's tall, he runs really well for a, a tall guy cuz he's got moves. He's kind of I think in the Jacoby Brissett position. Mm -hmm. Um and with much the same passing kind of uh okay. set. He mm. he's got to see it to throw basically, but he's smart and he knows where he should be looking. And that was what was ob obvious in this Minnesota game, even though it turned out afterwards, the coach was literally explaining the plays to him in the headset while he's still marching out. You know, as long as the headset was open, O'Connell O'Connell was telling him what the play was supposed to be um, and where he, he was supposed to go because he didn't take any snaps in practice. The You know, he got there on Tuesday, I think, and, and didn't take any yeah. snaps yeah, yeah. Um, at all. And but he does have, as we saw in Arizona, he's got playmaking ability. And on a bad team, that's a good thing because you know you need it. Um, you, you need to be able to create for yourself, and he's able to do that. That scramble that set up the winning touchdown pass was amazing. You yeah, know? He, he did a great job, and the winning touchdown pass was even better because he saw where he was supposed to go, and then mm -hmm. got you know, and then got the ball, got the ball there. So, you know, I, I think you could do a lot worse than starting a season with him, you know, as, as a quarterback, um, and. It's interesting to. Is that Rufus? That's Rufus. Yeah. What, what what is Rufus? Is he agreeing with you? Yeah, I think so. God, we haven't spoken about this. Sounded Jets more yet. like disagreement. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, and I think I think um, you know I think he'll he'll certainly get a job. I mean, Minnesota. I I don't know as they would want to stick with him because they drafted Hall thinking he was a quarterback of the future. They'll have a big decision to make about Kirk Cousins. 
um, mm. you know, whether they can re whether they can or should re-sign him. What do you reckon? Will they? Because they can't tag him, can they? No, that's part of his deal. Um, and they won't want to pay him top dollar, mm. uh, top quarterback dollar, I don't think. Um, but it's interesting. I love the team wearing those Kirk free Kirk Cousins kind of t-shirts, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, before, before the game, I think it, it gives you a, a sense that, that fans don't necessarily have of, of how, how he's valued say by, by the, um, by the players on, uh, on the, on his team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny because um, did you see the thing where the bills put Razul Douglas on the practice report? Um, the weekly, you know, the daily mm-hmm. injury report on mm-hmm. Wednesday and um it had Razul Douglas, cornerback DNP, did not practice. And then it always says reason. The reason was he just got here. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have some someone, in the, someone in the front office has a sense, a sense of humor. You know? But you know, I, I mean that was just an amazing, amazing game. Um, yeah. you know, and and I think Dobbs should be player of the week. I mean, a lot of guys had great performances this week, you know, not, not least um Stroud and not least uh, Burrow. And I, I suspect one or the other of them would be player of the week. But I, I you know, there, there'd be a sympathy vote for um it feels for right Josh, to give it. Josh it feels Dobbs, right to give it to Josh Dobbs. What a story yeah. that is. Brilliant stuff by Mike at Castle yeah. Sports is how you follow the one, big man on one Twitter. More, one, one more one thing. for the road. Okay. Yeah, one one for the road. Um Giants two for the road. The Giants have a tough decision as well because Daniel Jones Injured, may be out yeah. may be yeah. out now for the season, and they're going to have to decide um, what to do next year because they can't really cut him next year because the cap hit would be huge. Uh, his contract was kind of designed for them to get rid of him in twenty twenty five if that's what they wanted to do. So that that's going to be a, re- a real problem for them. And you know, and Jones is only the tenth highest paid quarterback in the league, which you know, maybe overrated um, or overrating him, but the other two are at tied at, for 10th are mm-hmm. Dak and Matt Stafford. Right. Okay. So well, that, you know, that, I mean, that does get yeah. in context. I mean, I, I, that, surely they'll, because they're going to have a high pick, they'll get, they'll get a rookie. Well, pick. they were out scouting. That was the big thing that Joe Shen, the, the general manager, you know, Sheen um, was out scouting the Washington USC game, which had Michael mm. Phoenix and, um, and Caleb Williams mm. at quarterback. So, and the other thing on a serious note, today is Pat Tillman's birthday. And for those of you listening who don't know, Pat Tillman was the safety for the Arizona Cardinals who volu- who left the NFL and volunteered to um, fight in the um, um, Middle East. Stuff. Yeah. And um, came to become disillusioned with the entire war effort. Um, and, was killed by friendly fire. And for a long time, the government military covered up the fact that his death was friendly fire. They tried to spin it into a kind of heroic battle death and um, and tried to cover up the idea that he had, was telling his friends, his family, and other people that the war was was a lie and a, and a joke and stuff. So um, it's been salute to service week in the NFL. Um, I didn't see anything about Pat Tillman, um, and uh, but I just think on his birthday it might be worth remem- remembering him and, and what is very much a tragic loss. Yeah, well said. We're dressing that balance on Mike. Well said. Okay, we're going to wrap things up for this week anyway, or at least uh, Mike and I. What a week. What a week it's been. We will do more of the same next week. You can guarantee that. We're also back later on this week. Greg Rosenthal, cousin Greg, as you call him. Oh, cousin Greg. Greg's in the house. Me and Propo with more Edge Rush. Uh, Ben and I are off to Florida, courtesy 
of our friends at uh, the American College Football Classic over in Dublin. That's flying us out to the Florida State Miami game. So looking forward to that. Here we go. Yeah, Nat Nat has offered to um, fly me to London for for uh, a Chinese lunch on it. Looking <laughs> so forward to are, that too. That we're, we're, all, we're all looking forward to our trips. We are. Hey, we got Thanksgiving coming up too. So hopefully we'll see some of you at. Uh, Passy Yank Avenue in Waterloo. Don't forget that competition. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Show us you subscribe. You will get into the draw and uh, potentially could be there as well. Brilliant stuff by Mike. Always a pleasure. Check it soon, bud. Always, always a pleasure. Take care, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.